Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? It is Championship Monday. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. Our boy Debo is holding it down. Hannah Ostapchuk uh, with us as always. And we have a huge show lined up for you. We got the championship game. We'll give you a little uh, preview of that. We got beef in the NBA between players and refs. They're going at it. And our boy Rajah is back. He was so (laughs) People were so excited that you back. (laughs) Apparently you were trending on Twitter what? on Saturday. Yeah. Why? Like apparently that's a thing. Like people were, couldn't wait to hear you back, man. Oh, oh sweet. I'm back. Full cold <laughs> in effect of the whole night. Now, I, before we get to any business, cause we've got to get to wild card weekend. It was crazy, but there was a Twitter rumor going around and there was some sleuths out there that did some research. Yep. Apparently there is a brand new Raja Bell Twitter account. Really? We, now is this. Was this something you had to do during Bomb Cyclone? Did you have some extra time on your hands? Did you open an account, or is this just one of the bench warmers <laughs> so that we've got? I did not. I did not open a Twitter account over the uh, break. So the deal with this one, yes. it's the same account handle as your Instagram. So we thought this oh. one might be real. Could be. Yeah, no, but does it have any post on it? No. Um, no, I didn't so open I didn't you? open one. No, I didn't open oh the Twitter gosh, account. Oh, my gosh. Somebody uh-uh. is about and to be And you're, you're yeah. following two people, yeah. at Canel and Bell. Yeah. And June... Hoopsine. Wait, did y'all make this for him? No, I didn't. We've, we've talked about it, but we have not. And you have 36 followers. Oh, a whopping 36 followers. I got to go check this out then. All right, so I can create – I'll create a Twitter handle. Can I do that? I'll do that today. Yes. I'll create a Twitter handle. Raja Dia 19 is taking That is – well, then I'll go with something else, bro. I got I got multiple aliases. Someone's about to be catfished. Like, this is a big deal. Exactly. All right, let's do it. Let's get to Wild Card Weekend and what we learn. All right, Saints-Panthers was last night. It was the most entertaining game I thought of the weekend. Here's one of the highlights. Here's Breeze stepping up, delivering down the middle, and it's going to be taken in for the on the field. Ted Ginn in his hands, and Ted Ginn will go all the way. The former Carolina Panther takes it in in stride. So this game was back and forth. There was a late push by the Panthers. Drew Breeze. He's, you know, it's him and Tom Brady are having this race to see who can play till the oldest, but it's very clear that he's still got it. We learned that. And we also learned that Sean Payton has some major, let's just call it guts, since we're trying to clean it up a little bit. But the fourth and two where he goes for it at the end and actually didn't get it. I love the call. But this team, I think Rajat is built for the Super Bowl. I think the Saints are legit. You get Drew Brees where if you need him like yesterday, you can have 376 yards passing. You can get it through, done through the air. But then you've also got uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram in the backfield who, when they are shut down, you can have Drew Brees. But they also are such a threat because they've been running all over people all year long. And that defense is pretty filthy, too. So I love the Saints team. Yeah, I like them, too. I I, I disagree with the call, though. I hate – I thought that was – Oh, and, come on. No, but – and I'm usually, like, I don't like the old conservative brand. But I thought they're, like, you you should have kicked that ball. Like, you should have tried to pin them down there with – what they have, a minute, 45, no timeouts yeah. or something like yeah. that. But – uh, having said that, you know, I really like the fact that they ran the ball all year. And I kind of liken it to, like, what the Spurs do with their older players. Um, they preserve them through the year. So you didn't ask you didn't ask Drew Brees to, like, carry the team the entire season. Um, you let your running game do the talking. And everyone knew it was still there with Drew Brees. But he didn't have to carry the weight all year. And so they're fresh, um, the Spurs, in the playoffs. And it looks like Drew Brees is fresh now. And you're right. When, when Kamara and Ingram can't get it done – I mean, he's got a pedigree. He's Drew Dan Brees. Like, he's going to put the team on his shoulders and get it done. Um, and I do – I didn't know how good or how well they could get after the quarterback when they needed to. Uh, the combination of those three things, I think I think you're right. They're built for it. Yeah, they got after Cam Newton. They were harassing him all day. So much there was a little concussion controversy with Cam when he gets hit, goes down, then he's coming off the field. And that was a vicious hit. He comes over the field. He takes the knee. All the Twitter doctors were out in full force saying the NFL has blown concussion protocol. I still contend that it's impossible. Everybody's different. You can't tell unless you talk to the person. And that's what they did when they took him in that tent. They deemed him uh, well enough to go back in the game. I had zero problem with it, the way they handled that. But my bigger thing with Cam is I just – he is so talented. 
and yet he leaves a lot of plays on the field. And I think it all goes back to his preparation in the offseason. Like, I don't ever see him throughout his seven- or eight-year career. He's never improved and gotten better um, in, in, in uh, completion percentage. Just in watching him play, he throws upright off his back foot, and he misses so many passes. And what's crazy is he could absolutely dominate if he could combine his run game with a passing game that's not even fantastic, but that was just really good, he would be unstoppable. He is so frustrating for me because, again, I, I love Cam Newton. Like, I like, you know, I like watching him play. I like the fact that he's bigger than his linemen and he's out there slinging the ball around. And, I mean, he – I thought he played well. You could speak more to, like, the passes that he left on the field than I do. Like, you know, I I, I can't – I'm not a quarterback, so I don't, I don't see all of those. Um he did display just a uh, like a rocket launcher cannon of an arm. Some of the lasers that he threw, um, which which entices you even more if you're a fan of his. Um, but then there are times when he's you know he's back there five seconds on the play clock, um, and he's like clapping for the ball, and he looks like he doesn't care, right? right. Like his body language tells me like that, that he's not really prepared and he's not ready to go. And so, I mean, look, I I've said immaturity before when he was younger. I don't know that that could still be something that you have to deal with at this point. He's too old for that. I think it is who he is. Um, there are times when guys go through six, seven, eight years in a career and they are one player and then something happens um, and they and they have to, for one reason or another, become the, the, the bookworm. They have to become the, the film geek. They have to become the guy who really digs in and does his homework. And I'm hoping uh, that it's not an injury, but just something in his life changes to where he wants to do that because I believe that physically the tools um, and I don't think that he's not smart enough to play the position or anything like that. I think he's got all the tools. He just needs to dedicate himself to it. Yep. I'm telling you, if he put half his amount of time into preparation in the offseason for his game as he does in his wardrobe, he would be the best quarterback (laughs) on the field because he puts together these peacock outfits that just is a whole look at me vibe. If he would just give that much effort to his game prep, he would be unstoppable. Hey, let, right. me, let me let me ask you real quick though, Danny, about the concussion protocol because I don't know. And so, right. like, the Seahawks got got in trouble with Russell Wilson. It was a yeah. similar situation where he told him he was fine. Like, what what what? It's solely up to your training staff as to whether or not they think um, you need to yes. sit out of a game. Yes, and so, but they are they are having. So the, the biggest issue is that everybody knows that players want to go in, and everybody knows that the teams probably want that player in the game. And so they feel like there's pressure on the medical staff to overlook concussion symptoms or to overlook, you know, and just kind of look the other way and let the player go back in. Here's the thing. Doctors are so much more aware now, and they're so sensitive, and they are so cautious, and rightfully so with concussions. But what drives me nuts is when people on TV see a vicious hit, and they say, oh, he's concussed. He's done. He's concussed. Right. Because different guys, some guys can get absolutely destroyed in the head and take a vicious hit and they're fine and it doesn't phase them at all. Other guys will take a little slightest, you know, tackle the sideways. You might not even notice it on TV and they're out with a concussion. Everyone is different, but the players will go over and they'll look them, you know, they'll, they'll uh, check their pupils. They'll talk to them. They'll ask them a series of questions. They'll see where they are. Or do you have a headache? Are you, you know, are you uh, nausea? Any symptoms they'll go through as much as they can in a game setting. Here's the problem with it. Some concussion symptoms don't come until the next day. Right. And that's, it's just such an unknown field where, and it's, we're still learning so much. Nobody knows. So they're trying to do their best, but I guarantee you Cam Newton went in that thing in, in the, the little tent and was answering those questions and answered them fine. Just like Russell Wilson did. The problem with Russell Wilson's is he went back in the game so fast. People questioned if they had enough time to give him. I a got legit you. That's the, yeah. that's the difference between the two. I got it. Yeah. So there was another game and there was. <laughs> Yeah, the Jags and Bills. Where I sorry, Han, I have to do it. <laughs> we have to talk about this game. And another quarterback got knocked the you know what out, and it was the Jags Bills. And the Jags walked away ten to three. What Not a exactly boring game! Thrilling. Yeah, I could have taken a nap and been more thrilled. Yeah, there was one highlight though. You got it, Debo. Peterman drops the throw, throws it out to the right side. It is knocked and picked off by Jalen Ramsey. He tipped it in the air. He made a diving interception, and it's the Jaguars football at midfield. So, as Hannah alluded to, the game <laughs> sucked. It was 3-3 three to three at halftime. The quarterback play was atrocious. Who knew all of a sudden Blake Bortles 
is going to be this running quarterback where he actually had 88 yards uh, rushing, one yard more than he had passing. His passing was atrocious. But I think we all kind of knew that going in. That was why I didn't love the Jaguars to cover, but I thought their defense would be able to control the Bills. And it was just – it was exactly what the Jags have been doing all year. Now, they've gotten better play out of Bortles lately, but that's what scares me out about this team. I think they'll be exposed from Bortles at quarterback somewhere along the line – and they'll lose a game, but I felt like they had enough to beat the Bills, who the highlight of the game, to be honest, was Bills Mafia in the parking lot. The tailgate party was the highlight. I feel like they're all, like, no disrespect to the Bills themselves, but Bills Mafia is just always going to be the highlight, right? Like, they're, yes. they're just so rowdy. I was hearing that there were way more Bills fans than Jags fans, like, in the entire city of Jacksonville. So I was proud of that, and I feel like real Bills fans could say that this was a win all around regardless, because we just weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. So, like, True. 2017 was supposed to be a year of rebuilding, and 2018 we got some, you know, we got Kansas City's pick in the draft. I think it's going to be good. There you go. I, I like that because they, I thought they were playing with house money too. Um, the game was just bad. like it was bad, awful. Unless you're like a, a like diehard like defensive guy, watching <laughs> that game was just terrible. And I agree with you, Danny. Like I thought that the Jags were viable to some degree in the AFC. But if you're if you can't move that ball uh, and you get that running game the running game shut down, you're not you have to score points to beat Pittsburgh and eventually to beat New England if they should get there. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna score 10, 13 points a game and beat those teams. So like for me, you know the best part of that game was is it Jalen Ramsey? Was that the guy who got the pick? At the yeah, end? Florida State. Th- bro, those Jordan Elevens that he was wearing, <laughs> those things were right, like right. fire. And it took two and a half hours for me to get like. Something cool out of that game. I finally got it. <laughs> there you go. You had it. It was a great play. I don't. The other thing that's driven me nuts about this wild card weekend. So we've seen some bad play, bad quarterback play in several of the games. We had concussions, but we also, I don't. The NFL replay, I feel like, is ruining the game because we replay every freaking play because they want to get it right. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, it's close enough. Let's just move on already. And then you've got. The announcer's breaking it down, and you have to look at it eight different angles, and there maybe is that a did it touch the ground? And I just feel like it it totally messes with the flow of the game. I don't know how you guys felt watching it all these games, but like those things really bothered me this week. And and a weekend which I usually think is my favorite weekend of the NFL, it just there were several things I was like, this sucks for the NFL and a league that's struggling to maintain viewers. I feel like they have some problems, and replay is one of them. Well, replay it's it's a problem. But here's my beef: like in the in the Saints Panthers game, what what I did not think that was an interception at the end of the game. I thought right. that was they keep I, getting stuff wrong. Right? If you're going <laughs> to replay it, replay all of it, replay all the turnovers, you know, replay the touchdowns. Like if you're going to waste my time replaying it, get them all right. Like don't <laughs> yeah. don't don't waste my time just doing it. You know, when you feel like it, because that that cost them what about twenty twenty five yards maybe on the pick. Yeah, like 15 yeah, to 20. No, for sure. Um, so if you're going to do it, I say do it to, to all of the turnovers and touchdowns. Um, get it right. Otherwise, like I'm with you, Danny. Don't waste my time on 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 half-assing it. So the Jaguars move on. They go to play the Steelers, and this was a game Ben Roethlisberger said a couple of ways when the season was over. He said he wanted another chance at Jacks, uh, Jacksonville because he had five picks and two interceptions against them. Debo, you got the Doug Marone audio. I want to hear what he said. Playoff football is about just you know you just go out there to win. You know, I mean, no one's really looking to win any beauty contest or anything of that nature. I think that, you know, the teams that you're playing is going to be, it's going to be all out. He's spot on too. Who cares how it looked at this point? It was ugly football, but you're on to the next and nobody will ever remember some of the quarterback stats or anything. It's just, they're going to play Pittsburgh and that's all that matters. And who cares if they beat Pittsburgh ugly? No one will care, but they're going to have to get better play from Bortles if they want to contend with that offense. They're going to get the brakes beat off of them by the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I it, agree. It, it, they are. They, <laughs> I totally like, agree. I, you can't roll, you can't roll Blake Bortles out there going 12 for 23 for 87 like yards. I mean, the defense is real. Like that pass D, like I, I give him credit, man. That, not, not that the Buffalo Bills were world beaters. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, like I like him, but I think it's clear there they need to look for the, a franchise quarterback in Buffalo. And I don't think I'm like telling anybody something they don't already know, but, but, um, the pass D is real. Having said that, the Steelers have too many weapons. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is as good as anybody in the league. They're, they're just, they can't go out there with that ineffective an offense and expect to be in a game with, with Pittsburgh. I don't believe it for one sec. Yeah. Yep, no doubt. All right, the NFC South had a ton of teams in the playoffs. They're the best division in football. The other one, the Falcons, went west and were able to come up with a win against the Rams. 
Brian takes the snap, fakes it to Freeman, back foot throw, loops it, Jones the catch, touchdown Atlanta. Julio Jones, Ryan was slipping. He well, managed to get enough on it and put the ball in the air for Jones. So the, the Falcons go west. I thought they controlled most of the game. And I thought the, one of the most important factors in this one was the experience. I think we learned that experience does indeed matter in the postseason. McVay and Jared Goff before the game tried to downplay it. They said it's no big deal. But I thought they both looked a little overwhelmed from the situation. Just it was their first time. And it's totally understandable. Like, I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. It's just you need experience in the playoffs. And the Rams, I thought, got exposed because of their lack of it. Absolutely. Uh, it happens across sports, not unique to football. Uh, your first time around the block sometimes in major games like that when the lights are brighter and, 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 you know, attention is, is more focused. Sometimes it can be overwhelming and it takes you a time around the block before you can really, really settle in. And I think you saw that. And, you know, Farrell Cooper, the first fumble, I don't really blame him. It went off the foot of someone else. Uh, but the second one, you know, clearly there were nerves. They were rattled. And on the flip side of that, those, those old teams that are just built for the playoffs, they've been there, they've done that, uh, cavaliers of the NBA, if you will. They're not overly concerned with where they fall in the seeding in the Eastern Conference. Like they firmly feel like once they get into the playoffs that they know what to do and they can get it done. The Miami Heat were like that when they had LeBron and D Wade. It's the same thing in, in, in any other sport. Like once you've experienced that, you know what it takes to get a win in that kind of environment. Um, it gives you an advantage, especially against a team that's trying to do it for the first time. Yeah, I'll never forget. So I got to start in one playoff game. So that was my my playoff experience. But I'll never forget. It was my second year in the league. And our quarterback coach, a guy named Rod Dowhauer, he pulled me aside the Tuesday. It was like the first day of the week, practice week. He pulled me aside privately. And he sat me down. I was, I thought I was about to get chewed out or something. I didn't know if I did something wrong, but he pulled me aside and he was like, Danny, he's like, look, he said, this experience is different. He said, a lot of guys go through their entire careers and never even get this opportunity. He's like, there's a different pace, uh, on the field. There's a different stress. There's a different pressure. The fans will feel different. The media coverage different. And he was kind of just trying to tell me it's different. Like maybe you should put in a little extra prep. Maybe you should do, you know, like he right. was trying to give me a heads up. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I've been in big games before. I played at Florida State. We had Miami games. Like those were just the same as playoffs. But he was spot on. It is a totally different vibe. And most importantly, it's a different speed. Like guys do, and it's a, it's it's just a different effort level. Everybody's dialed in. Nobody takes plays off. The margin of error is so much different. And it absolutely is noticeable. And if you've never been there before, you kind of – you that's the only teacher is experience yeah. actually playing the game. People can sit you down and tell you it all the time, but you can never know until you go through it. No, absolutely. I See, I used to love the playoffs. Like, And I, I, I asked Debo to look up my numbers because I think I played – I think I had better numbers in the playoffs than the regular season over a career. But my, mine was unique because when I came to the Sixers like late in that season in 2001 – my first real NBA experiences were playoffs. Like, so that's all, that's all I knew. Like, that's what, that was the way I learned to play in the NBA was playoff environments. Like, you know, we Eastern Conference finals, NBA finals. And I was just so young and dumb that I was just running around, not thinking about anything, just doing what I did. And so, you know, that's kind of the way I cut my teeth in the league. But when you come in and you, you know, as a young guy and you only play in regular season games and you've got a veteran laden team, so you're not going to play a whole lot in the playoffs and you do that for a few years. And then in your third year, they ask you to play in the playoffs and you've got no experience. That can be kind of daunting. Raja yeah, shot no. 6% better from the field and from three point range, a little bit less points, but you shot the ball less once you got to the playoffs. The playoffs. I love the playoffs. Efficient. That's what it is. Efficiency. He was <laughs> yeah, dialed in. No, it is. And it's way more fun. It's more fun because there's more at stake, too. And especially when you're winning. I can only imagine what it's like getting to play in seven-game series, too. Like, I think that would be even better. And just the, the atmosphere, everybody, it's it doesn't feel like work. I don't know how it felt to you, Raja, but even – like, because when I was on the Broncos, we made the playoffs several times, and everybody just comes into work, and it's just everybody's more excited and wants to study more film. So it's just it it's just more enjoyable. It when is. the so the Falcons, I think the NFC South. I said it before. I think it's the best division in football. I think the Saints are the team to be, uh, to make the run, but the Falcons could too. Here's Matt Ryan on a Falcons experience being a, a factor. Well, I think we're a battle-tested group. You know, we're a tough group of guys. We've been through some ups and downs, uh, and, and I think we're better for it. So um, it's going to serve us well moving forward. You're going to be in these tough type of games during the playoffs, and uh, I'm just proud of the way that we played today. 
So the Falcons are actually, they're going to Philly. They're a three-point favorite because of the quarterback situation in Philly. I think they could make a run. I think they're built for it. They've got the experience. They were in the Super Bowl last year. I think they could make a significant run. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Philly's primed to be beat um, with the loss of, of Carson Wentz and whatnot. I, you know what stood out to me? and I, it, when, you, when you come down to, let's say, we get Falcons and Saints, I mean, it's going to be a turnover thing, right? It's going to be yep. who, who makes the least amount of mistakes in a playoff environment like that. And, and to go back to the Rams game, I mean, Jared Goff had himself a, a, a decent enough day, right? Um, Todd yeah. Gurley had over 100 yards. Robert Woods, you know, 142 yards, um, nine catches, but the two turnovers. So it's the whatever team makes the least amount of mistakes. And, you know, I hate to keep circling it back, but that usually tends to be – the team that's been there, done that before. The one with the most veterans, the ones with the experience. Um, and so, I, you know, I agree with you. Atlanta, Atlanta, especially now having to go to Philly um, without their quarterback. Yeah, I think they can make a run for sure. All right, so last up, final game to talk about. It was the Titans-Chiefs. It was close till the end. What we learn? From the 22, second and 10. Mariota to the goal line. Touchdown, Tennessee! <laughs> Eric Decker hangs on catches of his life we learned that sean mcdonough is apparently still going through puberty yeah, that voice track is and something it, else it was hilarious i actually just saw sean mcdonough yesterday in the lobby and i didn't know whether to, to kind of tease him about it or not because we're kind of friends but not that tight so i didn't know how he'd feel about it we learned a couple things about this game one we learned don't follow your boy DK on any bets because I was so sure the Chiefs were going to blow them out. I felt fantastic about it in the first half. I'm like, this is a team that's a cut above. The Titans are awful. This team is atrocious. Mariota's not ready for this battle. And then Marcus Mariota comes back, catches a touchdown to himself, which never happens. <laughs> that's what never happened in the playoffs. And my bet totally fell apart. And then I was kind of in the camp where – if you're going to lose the bet, I just hope the team loses the game. Because if they don't have my back, I don't want them to win. <laughs> <laughs> what an attitude. I love that. But, no, we – look, my, my boys and I at the house, like me and my older two sons did, like our playoff brackets. They love doing brackets, right? Like it yeah. started with, with the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. And so we all had uh, the Chiefs. Like it was the easiest one on our board, the Chiefs versus Titans. Uh, yeah. So we, we were with you on that. I mean, look, there's so many things we could talk about in the game. First of all, Derek – Eric Hemp, Decker. Eric you like Eric, Eric Decker had the dropsies for a Yes, minute, wait, no. in the beginning, the first quarter, yeah. when he dropped it, I was like, oh, no, he's so old. Yeah, he, and, then, <laughs> and then and then at the end, I was like, okay, okay, he came through. Right, right. He did look old. Uh, no, uh, he's great. Derek Henry oh, was a geez. beast. Hannah has a crush on, on Decker. I of can hear it. Of course I do. Oh, yeah. You watch that garbage oh, show. TV show. That's a good show. Jesse, or Eric, Eric and Jesse? Jesse. Yeah. Of course I do. What? I love, I think I like Jesse James more than I like Eric Decker, though. It's I a have show? A, I have a bigger crush on his he wife. He has a reality TV show. Eric's Jesse James is like the coolest. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. You know? Here we go. Yeah, All right, we don't want to get too All the wind out of my <laughs> sails right there. I'm just going to leave it there. It was fine. Hey, but well, real, it was fine what, what do you do, Danny? Look, real talk. All right, so yeah. there, uh, uh, on the field, a bunch of stuff, right? But, I mean, yeah. it, I'm always going to go back to, like, what is the deal with Andy Reid? Like, what is the deal with Andy Reid and what is the deal, um, you know, with him not being able to get it done? in the damn playoffs. And then what do you do with Alex Smith? I think it's very real with Andy Reid. I was, I think Alex Smith had an exceptional year. I don't think you can pin any of it on Alex Smith. Even in the game, they had several drops where he made big plays and they, the receivers just didn't come up for him. Then he loses Travis Kelsey. That killed him. Concussion. That killed that their luck. But how can you not run Kareem Hunt more than five times? He was 11 times in the whole game, only five times in the second half when the, you, like he's, He's led the NFL in rushing yards. How can you not give him the ball more, milk a little bit of clock, which I get people could say you're getting conservative if that was your approach, but he's been your bread and butter all year. It opens up everything else. I do think Andy Reid blew that game. Like I think they got way too conservative. And to let a team like that, when you are a nine-point favorite, that's devastating. And I do feel, as crazy as it is, because I love Alex Smith, I think you can win a Super Bowl with him. I think they're going to move on. I think he's going to go somewhere else. And I think if I was him or if I'm Kirk Cousins, one of the first teams I'd call is the Bills. And yeah. Hannah hopefully would love that because they, you know, Tyrod Taylor's okay. But if they got a quarterback in there, they would be a totally different ball game with that defense, some of the talent they have around them. That's, so I, I think, I think it's the end for Alex Smith, which I think is, 
it sucks because he's had such a great career there, but they, they're in love with Patrick Mahomes who they drafted, uh, first, uh, first round last year. Damn, that sucks. That sucks for, that sucks for, 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 um, Alex Smith because he was, he was, I forgot that he lost Travis Kelsey. They were chewing them up early in the game, right? Like Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I'm on record. Travis Kelsey better than Rob Gronkowski. Boom. I said it. Ooh, uh, I like Travis man. Kelsey. I don't know. He's, he's a bad dude. But um, I, one I, I, I don't know. Gronk is so tough. Like and so he's unstoppable. Even when he's Gronk. he just unstoppable. Okay, I'm on the <laughs> Gronk train today. All right, I'm not worried about Gronk. <laughs> oh, I can nah. jump on that train. <laughs> all aboard. No, I'm um, no. I, I I like. Here's the deal. Rob Gronkowski, I've said it before. Rob is a is an absolute beast. Uh, Travis yeah. Kelsey is a monster too, though. Man, he was. You know, he's a better route runner, like he's faster, right? And he, he can do a little bit things differently. I they're they're both outstanding tight ends. They're I just feel just like Gronk so is uncoverable. He he yeah. is. He's he's just a bigger, stronger, like like more of an ox type of player, I guess. Um, yeah. Where was I? I? Lost my train of thought on that. I don't. Right, know. I, I want to hear. Hold on. I want to hear know, Andy Reid's excuse about closing out games. Debo, hit me up. And there's a million things. I mean, we'll go back. I mean, there's a million things that we can go back through and go over and. Um, yeah, and yeah, it should have never happened. It should have never happened the way it did. I mean, we were up and had the lead, and you, you got to learn how to win games like that. And put the put your foot down. So, <laughs> I mean, Jesus. that is just depressing. He looked huge, like coming off the field. He was so bundled up. I mean, he looked like a whale walking off the field. And it's coming through the tunnel. He's coming through the tunnel after the game. And I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, this happen. He was coming in through like the fans and the way the NFL stadiums are set up. They have like fan central. So you have to walk through the fans. They kind of feel like they can see you behind the scenes. So there was a couple fans there yelling and he's, and then Marcus Peters comes running. Uh, back behind them. So the fans were actually, they were pretty, they were like, we still love you, Andy. It was some like loyal, loyal Chiefs fans, obviously. And he's walking by. He doesn't acknowledge him at all. Then Marcus Peters is running through, like just to get, he just wants to get the heck out of there, get to the locker room. And he's kind of a, a wild card to say the least. And so this guy's going, wait, you know, let's go, Marcus. And <laughs> Marcus comes back with a shoot. Where are we going? <laughs> like and he didn't say shoot. I cleaned it up for right. us. But it was hilarious. Like that dude, you don't know what's coming out of his mouth. Uh, so the, uh, the Titans are a 14 point dog. They go to New England. I think it could get ugly, but I'm not touching any bet with the Titans again. Cause who knows if they can get as lucky as they did. If they're starting, if Marcus Murray's catching touchdown passes to himself, maybe they have something going. True maybe that. it's, I'm just avoiding that one altogether. I hear you. All right. Let's get to, uh, my favorite new segment. Let's get to here's what happened. Here's what's happening with Hannah. All right, guys, in college hoops first, number one beaten bad on the road on Sunday. Ohio State cruised by top-ranked Michigan State 80-64, to led by a career-high 32 points from junior Keita Bates-Diop. My man Tom Izzo doesn't usually have let-up games, <laughs> but it's quite it's a rivalry one for this team. And basketball, that's the thing. The regular season, you see upsets like this all the time happen. My father-in-law, I'm surprised I didn't get a text because he went to Ohio State, and he's usually nuts. But I think he's still uh, depressed that Ohio State didn't get in the playoffs. All right, Raja, I got one for you. After missing the Spurs' first 27 games this season with a quad injury, Kawhi Leonard now out for a few more with a partial tear in his left shoulder. Thankfully for third place, San Antonio doesn't appear to be too serious. Now, Kawhi is averaging 16 points a night in eight games this year. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough for the Spurs trying to find their rhythm. Really tough for Kawhi trying to find his rhythm. Um, when you typically have injury after injury like that, you never really hit full stride during the season. So it'll be interesting to see if he uh, he and the Spurs can figure it out late this year. And this is an interesting one I just had to throw in here. So the very well-known Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Canadian Football League are attempting to negotiate a contract with our boy Johnny Football. So Manziel has been out of the game for two years after spending two seasons with the Browns. How do we think this one is going to go? So here's how it's going to go. It all depends on him. And he he made his return to Instagram. I'm sure you guys are well aware of that. He took yes. a six-month hiatus from that. And the first thing he does, he comes back, he trolls the Browns. Like, come on. <laughs> like, like, if you, like, I was hopes that he grows up and he posts an 0-16 meme. Like, come on. You're better than that. But here's he – I think the Canadian that. League is perfect for his style of play because it's a spread-out field. You throw the ball a lot. Um, you can get guys in motion where they're running towards the line of scrimmage. There's just, it's, it really could be suited to his game the way it was for Doug Flutie's game, where if he takes it seriously, he can thrive, but I just don't know where he is. If he's, if he goes up there and wants to just show up and thinks he can go out there and, and tear the league up, he'll struggle. It's happened before. That's NFL guys. That's absolutely what go, he's going to do. 
I would put money on the fact that he's just going to go in there thinking he can dominate. Well, yeah, he has a girlfriend now, so maybe she's calmed him down. Maybe isn't our thing engaged? Think they're engaged. Yeah, he's got. He's got. He's, he's down. Yeah. I don't know where he is, but I know where he'll be at your local bar in Hamilton. <laughs> Come on, Poor guy. I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, new exactly. year, new Manziel, guys. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so what else do we got? We got. A, we have you. Uh, you have to see it, right? So we had uh, some golf. This golf PGA Tour is back. They're back in Hawaii. And I don't know if you guys saw this. This was crazy. Dustin Johnson, who hits it a mile, he drove a par four. It was 433 yards. Drove the green and almost had a hole-in-one. It was inches from the cup. Like, it almost went in. And it was funny because on his way up to the green, he was walking there talking about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, I just got to – I didn't get all of it. Like, I missed it a little <laughs> bit. I need to hit that a little bit further. Three inches short from a hole-in-one on a par four. Insane. 400 yards. I mean, that's – what are they putting in the drivers? Like, these – he's a big boy. He's a, he's an athletic big dude, though, right? Oh, yeah. He can do a 360 dunk. I don't know if you know that. But, yeah, he can – He can. he's a freak athlete. And you combine that, like, just the flexibility that he's got, and he absolutely bombs it. Our boy Justin Thomas didn't have the best tournament, maybe because he's focused on Alabama, his alma mater – uh, is playing Georgia for the national championship game. It's why I'm in Atlanta right now. And as great as some of the games we've seen over the last, you know, last year's championship game, Alabama Clemson down to the wire. We had the Oklahoma Georgia Rose Bowl overtime crazy game. I think this one could get ugly. Do you? You got, you got who? Georgia, Bama, Bama, Georgia? So I will be rooting for Georgia. Cause I like, I always, and this is universal. Like I always root for the underdog, right? I just like, everybody likes to see the underdog. Right? I, didn't, Most... I didn't hear you rooting for the Bills. I don't know. Oh. Well, yeah, that's, well, I was rooting for them. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need proof. That's no, fine. I actually love the Bills Mafia's videos. Their viral videos are insane. I would love to see another weekend of viral videos. But uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm rooting for Georgia in this one. Danny, how are those SEC fans treating you? So I'll say this. So I, did, I went yesterday and did my radio show from the Fan Fest, which it was packed. It's all, I would say when I was at the Rose Bowl, it was probably 10 to 1 Georgia fans over Oklahoma fans. And it's not that much different here. It, I haven't seen many Bama fans, which is probably better because I think they hate me more than Georgia fans. Georgia fans are still in that, we're just happy to be here mode. Um, but they've actually, like the SEC, the Southern hospitality is very real. Like they're all cordial. And I was a little bit worried last night because I was out kind of late last night and I went to this bar and it was a hotel bar. And it was packed with Georgia fans. And a few of them came up to me. And all of them, they gave me a hard time. But it was all, like, in a spirit of fun, talk trash. Like, it wasn't. And I, that's that's my – I actually get worried about it sometimes, walking around with drunk fans, that they're going to just, you know, do something stupid and really piss me off or do something. And uh, so they've been great. So it's actually been pretty fun. Because their fans – it's the first time they've been in this situation in 30 years. Um, so they're, they're just happy to be here. They've been great. So it's been pretty fun, but I think the game itself. So here's the deal. So I'm rooting for Georgia strictly because I want to see a new player at the table. And I'd love to, I like when people knock off, it's David versus Goliath. Anytime anybody faces Alabama, but I think Alabama won the national championship when Oklahoma lost to Georgia and Bama beat Clemson. I felt like the national champion was crowned last weekend because Alabama, what they do is specifically built to stop teams like Georgia. And Georgia's had a phenomenal year, but their running attack, which was so good against Oklahoma, I feel like they'll be running against a brick wall in Alabama's front seven. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. But what I didn't put a lot of stock in prior to watching Oklahoma and and Georgia was that Georgia gets after you too. Like that defense, it looked like to me, and maybe that's just the difference between like SEC D-lines and O-lines versus like Big 12 – Big 12, right? They're Big 12, right? Yeah, Oklahoma. Like, they, yeah. when they wanted to, like, late in that game, they dominated. Like, they took yep. over the game. So, are like, in your estimation, Alabama's, like, D-line is just going to be that much better? Because I think so, Georgia's D-line is pretty damn good, too. All right, so here's the difference. And it was a, it's a different type of big. So, I did both. So, when I was at the Rose Bowl, I covered media day. So each team comes in for 45 minutes and they're walking in this ballroom kind of at a hotel and you kind of, I was walking among them, talking to them, getting some interviews. And when I was at the Rose Bowl, Georgia was clearly the bigger team than Oklahoma. Right. I was like, Oh, and I didn't think it, like I still picked Oklahoma because I think the eye test is just 
it's one gauge to determine who's the better team, right? It's just one gauge. And I actually thought Oklahoma had a chance because they went up tempo. They could run around. Their offense was so good. So there was a clear difference in, in size. So I was very curious because I did the same thing with Alabama and Georgia on Saturday. Did the same thing, got to walk with, you know, was in, in the middle of both teams. So Georgia's guys are huge. Like they have, um, the guy Lorenzo Carter, he's my boy. We have, a, we have like a, uh, an instant friendship together <laughs> because I interviewed him before the game and after, after he blocked that field goal. So we're like, we're boys kind of. And I think he clearly knows I'm, I was helpful to him, uh, and helped him block <laughs> that field goal just because we had that kind of, we hit it off. We had a chemistry there between us, but he's, he's like six, seven. And they have another, um, Jonathan Ledbetter, one of their deep, they're tall and lanky and they're kind of thick. Like they're kind of big. Bama's dudes are just monsters. Like it's so, like when you say they win the eye test, they would win every national championship if you just gave it based on eye test. Right. They're, they're not as tall, but they're still six three and they're just thick. And you know what else? They don't like people. They're mean. They really don't. Yeah. Like, they don't like people. They don't like quarterbacks. They're angry and they're mean. Like, I, I posted a picture with Lorenzo Carter and we're like laughing. Have, those guys aren't taking any selfies. <laughs> they're just angry dudes. And they, like, I'm scared for Jake Fromm because I think it'll be a, a long night for him. I think he's going to get hit a lot from George, uh, from Alabama's defensive so you, line. You just answered my next question, which is like, in situations like this, when you've got a team that's, that's used to being there. Like, yeah, getting there isn't the prize for them. And you kind of alluded to it before when you said, like, you know, Georgia's happy to be there, right? Like, you've got yeah. you've got their players kind of walking around happy to be there, all excited, like, loving the, the moment and the experience. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you may only get there once in your life, so enjoy it. But when you've got a team like Bama and they take on, like, the, the – the, you know, they take on the, the, the personality of their coach, so to speak. Like, and they're there, and it ain't about anything but winning a championship. That's business yep. for them, you know? And so, you know, you combine one of them being bigger, stronger, and possibly faster, and they're there about business, the other team's happy to be there, it, it could get ugly. Yeah, I, I, well, here's – I think it'll be – I think it'll be a typical SEC defensive ugly game. Like, I, I might even be like the Jags-Bills game yesterday. I don't think the quarterback play will be stellar – but here's the edge as well. So if if Alabama is able to get after Jake Fromm for Georgia, he really doesn't have another option. He's mobile, but he's not a dual-threat quarterback by any means. So I feel like if they get after him, he doesn't have the option to escape out of the pocket and make huge plays with his legs. And Bama with Jalen Hurts, they do. Because I think, I think Georgia's defensive line could pressure Jalen Hurts, but he's, his escapability will make – it's just it, – and that's what he's done all year and is throughout his career – and he doesn't turn the ball over. He only has one interception on the year. He makes great decisions with the football. And anytime they need a big play, a key third down, it's not Jalen Hurts through the air that hurts you. It's with his legs. And they'll call designed quarterback runs on third and three or four, and they get them every time. So I, I look at all these these, and I, I wonder because I almost feel like if I'm if I'm doing what I did with the Chiefs and Titans, like I was like, oh man, I love the Chiefs in this spot. But the experience factor. Saban playing against Kirby Smart. We talked about the experience factor from the coach's perspective with the Rams earlier. As as many championships as Kirby Smart has played in because he was with Saban for nine years, he hasn't been there on this stage with you know this much at stake. And it's different when you're the man in charge, when you have to decide whether to go for it on fourth down, when you have to decide to maybe do an onside kick as Saban did against Clemson a couple years ago, which really won them the game. So it's just those little tiniest details with Saban is always all over. I just look at this. I'm actually surprised that Alabama is only a four point favorite. Like that one makes me like, uh oh, why, why is it only four points? Because what I see is just a clearly dominant team with a coaching edge, a quarterback edge, and just a size advantage. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just see this one as being a, a Bama typical national championship. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I so in other words, bet I'm, Georgia. I want Georgia to win. I'm going with so Georgia. We're, we're all Georgia. Let, let's officially pick it though. Okay. For our because <laughs> I'm so good at this. Sign I'm, me up. So Hannah's <laughs> back alive in our picks because the Bills did cover the spread. Yeah, oh. we put her on the spot. I don't think she said she said she took the Bills to win, but we'll get. Yeah, her I don't know. I don't know what I said there, but um, it's fine. Let's go ahead and <laughs> so, just so Bama, <laughs> the benefit uh, of the doubt. I'm I'm pretty bad at making picks, but I'm gonna say Georgia plus four. Georgia wins. Uh, it's Bama plus four. Oh, minus four. Minus four. I'll take Bama to cover. Debo, how about you? I'm waiting for you, Danny. 
All right, I'm going Bama. Know. I actually have a sizable bet on this game. Uh. <laughs> Bama's going to cover. <laughs> so I'm, I'll be rooting for Bama. The only way I get really screwed is if Bama wins by three. Like, if they win by a field goal, I'm going to be so mad because they didn't cover for me and they get another national championship. I'm going to be so mad. But you know what my favorite part of today is going to be? So I, so we talked a little bit about this before, Raja. You weren't on the pod with us last week. But UCF, national champion UCF, they sent me a box full of gear. Oh, dope. Yeah. So I'm at, I got some t-shirts for you guys. They're sweet, like, they're sweet, uh, workout gear, like dry fit. They're nah, really nice. No, I UCF, can't wear that. I can't wear U- that, bro. UCF <laughs> National you know, I Championship you. gear. <laughs> I am rocking it today at the game. So that I might so get beat cool. up today. I am, um, I'm from Jupiter, Florida, and there's so many people who are, are UCF fans. And I was out to breakfast with my dad yesterday, and there were like two guys wearing UCF hats, and I'm not kidding, every guy who passed him yeah. was like, yo, go Knights! Oh my god, it's <laughs> Everyone! A thing. And I was like, man, it's like wildcard weekend, they're still talking about the Knights. Uh, if you're going mid-major, like Central Florida, that's, that's Central Florida. That's Central Florida. It's like Orlando, we're talking Ocala and up, don't bring that down to South Florida. No, I'm telling you, it's everyone FIU in territory Jupiter. down here, don't do it. <laughs> Give us a game. You know he's gonna win it. You might as well not have the ball because you'll get knocked out by Shakur Griffin. He got only one hand. You kept like the man. Yeah. You know you be here. The shot of your 10. She like number 10. She touched out like monkeys. He nothing. Dodging them tackles like, ah. Pass it to Smith. He be burning. If Auburn be Bama and Auburn be Georgia and we go be Auburn, then well, we deserve it. National champions the title. <laughs> Auburn to take us for granted. They ain't wanna give us the playoffs. So the title, yeah, we gonna take it. Okay. Oh my gosh, keep it they going. They got their own rap. UCF, national champs. UCF, national champs. Hey, what, I love it. Would they have had a chance? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They would absolutely have a chance. Now, they would probably – they were a 12-point underdog to Auburn. Yeah. They would probably be a 20-point to Bama. And probably I would say a similar, probably a 10-point dog to Georgia. But they would be probably a three-touchdown fa- uh, underdog to Bama. But here's the thing. They – could play with them. They could beat them. And you can't say definitively they don't have a chance because they proved it against Auburn, who did beat both those teams, who was one of the better teams in the SEC. So I think it's great. I have no problem with them claiming national champs. I don't – is it a valid national championship? No. Yes. But neither neither are five of (laughs) Alabama's national. Like when Alabama changes their national championship total, I'll start to – I'll stop touting UCF as national champs. When Alabama gives their correct total – I'll do it. Auburn has two national championships. They claim from 93 to 2004, those two years, they didn't win the national championship. I have no problem if they want to claim it. Danny, at any point during the game tonight, will you tweet the national championship already happened or the national champions have already been crowned? <laughs> Something along those lines? There's a possibility that that could happen. <laughs> I could There's almost a guarantee very it. Possibility. No, their athletic director is the one who's, uh, Danny White sent me the gear because oh, I've been awesome. their biggest proponent throughout the season. So How hated are you going to be after the game today? From your, from your tweets alone. How uh, hated are you going to be from your Danny, tweets? Danny, I actually have <laughs> a message from one of uh, our off-the-bench listeners. You want me to play that for you? Yeah, let's hear it. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not worth a flip because Alabama is going to go all the way, and then I want you to get back on this radio station and apologize to every every single Alabama fan in the nation. Do you hear me, mister? Roll Tide Row. <laughs> that was my girl Phyllis. That was directed towards me. That was on air uh, with ESPN Radio, and she was not my biggest fan at the time. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think that's think fine. Like I support, I, I support her not being like I. I just I don't support her. Is what I'm trying to Danny say. Danny doesn't need Phyllis. <laughs> that was like life. really hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> She's the best. All right. So speaking of obnoxious people, that. I don't love, and I think you're getting way too much play. I, cause I love this. I love talking about this with Raja because he likes, uh, uh, LeVar Ball. So LeVar Ball <laughs> goes at it again, and he's been kind of quiet for a couple months. He's been working deals, getting his other two sons to Lith- Lithuania, been promoting the big baller brand, but it wasn't enough because Jeff Goodman from ESPN goes over there. He goes to Lithuania, does a sit down with him, and what does he do? He calls out Luke Walton, head coach of the Lakers. He says, quote, Luke doesn't have control of the team no more. And he said, it's a good team, but nobody wants to play for him. I can see it. There are no high fives when they come out of the game. People don't know why they're in the game. He's too young. He ain't connecting with them anymore. You can look at every player. He's not connecting with not one player. Raja, have you finally had enough of LeVar Ball? Please tell me you have. 
Uh, yeah, I, I got to cut bait with LeVar on that one. I just don't think <laughs> that's not helping anybody. Um, look, I, if they give you a platform and, and his whole, you know, despite what we think of him, like, I mean, he is a, a marketing, like, guru, right? Genius. Like, he, yeah. he is. So, like, he's made, he's made this, this, this persona out of nothing by doing just, just this, just he running his Jenner. mouth, right? Like, he just runs his yeah. mouth. He is Chris Jenner, correct. Um, but you lost me here because this, this doesn't help anybody. I don't believe it to be true. Um, I am one of the people that said Luke Walton, like, the jury would be out on him as a coach, uh, coming to this type of team. Let's see what he can do, but, I do not believe that the team has quit on him. I don't think that he's too young. Uh, I think they've got a lot of young pieces, and they're trying to figure out who they are. And you going out as the father of one of those pieces uh, and saying this, especially on the heels of what you said before, and they kind of asked you to chill out, um, it's disrespectful, I believe, like to the organization, to Luke, um, you know, quite frankly, to your son and his career. So at this point, I would ask LeVar to just chill with the Laker commentary. If you want to comment on your younger sons and what they're doing in Lithuania and all of that, God bless but leave the Lakers, Luke Walton, and what they're doing there alone for a while. Let it figure itself out. Um, and, and Luke either will or will not, and the Lakers will act accordingly. Do you think it's time for Lonzo to say something to him? Because uh, I do. It's a weird relationship because there comes a time in every you know yeah. man's life when he has to kind of stand up to his dad. And I don't feel and – it, and it might – it doesn't have to be contentious. It could just be, hey, dad. Can you help me out? You're making life miserable for me. You know, just can you lay low for a little bit? I don't think he has to separate ties with him by any means because I think LeVar Ball has done a good job raising his kids. But I feel like Lonzo needs to go to him and say, cool it, man. I can't deal with this anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, father-son relationships are are different. Uh, they're all unique. But, I, I, you know, I don't think that the kid, when I watch them interact, like, I don't think that the kid has that in him. I don't think he feels right and equal to his dad. If I'm just watching from the outside, like, I feel like dad runs the show, right? Even to this day when the kid's, what, 19 or 20? Like, yep. that he's still, he's still dad, right? It's not like, right. you know, he's my dad. I'm a grown man. I respect him. We have a difference in opinions. We can have a difference in opinions and still love each other. It's dad's way, I think. And so I don't think he really feels like he can do that, but I think it could – you know, it, it would be time if he had that kind of relationship with his dad. Yes, clearly this is the time to do that. So Lonzo may not step up, uh, step up to him, but I, so one of the things that's frustrated me almost more than the Varball's comments is the coverage of him because I feel like the media is as much at fault as anybody. Like when this was posted, I actually saw it on Instagram and they had this quote on ESPN's official Instagram page and I was like, why are we reporting what a dad says? Why are we doing that? If, if we quoted every father, every parent of every professional player, it would just it would go away. Like no one would care about it. Why do we give him more credence than others? And I am so glad. So uh, Rick Carlisle, head coach for the Dallas Mavericks, he actually came out and was livid and good for him for doing so. So he's also he's the president of the NBA's uh, Coaches Association. So he comes out and called it a disgrace that LeVar Ball's comments about Luke Walton were even published. And I think he's on to something because this is who we should be criticizing. So he said, quote, as president of the Coaches Association, I view the recent ESPN article as a disgrace, quite honestly. Luke Walton is a terrific young coach who is bringing along a young team, and it's a difficult task. If you don't believe it, just ask me. We're going through that now and went through that last year. But he called out ESPN. He said they're supposed to be a partner of us. This is undermining us. He went in, and I would agree with him. The only way to make this stop is if you stop reporting it because then it will go away. Well, I, I, look, I agree with some of the stuff that Rick Carlisle said. Yes, it is hard to bring along a young team, and, and he is as good a coach as there's been in the NBA, so he would know that. Luke's job is not an easy one. Uh, but media in general is there to report and, and, and put a, a voice out there for the people who people want to hear from. And LeVar Ball, whether we like it or not, is one of those people, right? Like he, people want to hear what he's got to say. He's a polarizing figure. So like, I don't agree with, 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 uh, with what's his name, Rick Carlisle in that, like ESPN shouldn't report what LeVar Ball says. If LeVar Ball is going to be a topic across the country on every outlet, like why wouldn't you report it? Isn't that your job as like a media member? Like we're not there to protect the integrity of the NBA. That's not what the media is for. If that, like, if the media was there to protect the integrity of the NBA, the NBA would have their own media outlet, and it would only be stuff that was pro-NBA, right? Yeah. So, like, LeVar Ball is just saying what LeVar Ball wants to say, and if people want to hear it, like, ESPN and everybody else is going to write it. So Carlisle's got some traction because apparently several NBA coaches 
are going to ask their media relations staffs to revoke credentials of basketball writers who interview LeVar Ball. So league sources told that to Amico. See, Hoops. I think this is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You're you're now essentially blackballing LeVar Ball. And whether I agree with LeVar Ball or not, like his whole platform, the whole way that he is able to is his mouth. And if people yeah. want to do that and you're taking that away from him, I, I, I think it's a slippery slope. Look, coach your team. Coach yeah. your damn team. Do a good job doing that. LeVar Ball is a parent, right? He's a crazy yeah. parent. People know that. Don't get involved in trying to ban him and take his voice away. I just I don't think that's right. I agree. I yeah. feel like as long as he's still relevant, then you can't really fight it. Like, right. unfortunately, only, he's, is he relevant he's... because it's ESPN? <laughs> right. If ESPN yes. didn't report on him, then he wouldn't be relevant. It's no, I don't. What I comes think, first? I think there are like 30 other different outlets that continue to report on him. I don't only point the finger at but ESPN. none as big as ESPN. Right. But also, I mean, he's still he's still talking and he has been like this. Like, no matter what, this has already happened. So we just have to like move on from it and like I mean, thing- just let it slowly go away again this reminds me of chris jenner like would you just say you know like the kardashians are famous for what talking just and doing talking, what, right, right doing whatever they do but so like are you, gonna, are you gonna tell them are you gonna tell e to like stop reporting Correct. on that that's the same because you can't you can right. and it's not only it's not only espn to be fair fs1 has had him on their shows right. cnn had him on cnn had a 22 minute interview with them to talk about uh, Trump and when he went to China and he wouldn't apologize. And he the gets reason right. see people are in the networks know this, they get results and they see clicks, they yes. see ratings, they see eyeballs and love them or hate them. People tune in to watch them. I hate it, but you can't, I mean, as much as the networks, I hate them for doing it. I clearly see why, because they're getting clicks. He's on not, he's not sure. helping his kid though. Like when you he's have not. a bunch of coaches around the league that are trying to like, that's not a good look for your son. Now you're not, you've not just alienated one one franchise, you're alienating your son with a bunch of them. So, so as bad as we think it looks from the outside, clearly Lonzo and Luke Walton are okay with it. Because here's them from after the game. I mean, that's just his opinion. You know, um, he's coached me my, my whole life, so he's definitely gonna have a strong opinion about it. Yeah. That's just what it is. I, I play for anybody. Uh, he's a grown man. He's gonna, like I said, he's gonna say what he wants to say. I can't do nothing about it. And then <laughs> Luke Walton was asked after the game why he benched Lonzo. Just a, a minor action in the first quarter, and responded with this. Um, yeah, his dad was talking, so I took him out early. <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so perfect. the best part about it, and I screwed up that audio by talking over it, but he waited like three seconds to make the media think he was serious yeah, it about was it. Deadpan. And then he laughed. Yeah, that was great. Classic. And that's the way you handle it with the media. That's the way they'll see, oh, He's in on it. Like everybody knows, LeVar Ball is sort of a buffoon who just talks all the time out of his rear end. And then you'll just all take it for what it is and you'll be able to move on. Just keep it moving, man. Like that, yep. you, you just keep it moving. You can't keep indulging the dude, like in referencing in press conferences. If you're, if you're Luke, like that's a no win, man. Like, look, yeah, make a joke about it, make a deadpan joke about it, keep it moving. Lonzo, do the same thing. He's a grown man. I don't control him and let's keep it moving. Let's make it about basketball right now. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do some topics, Debo. What do you got for us? All right, so we know, we've talked about it, that the Bills hadn't been in a playoff game since 1999. Well, O.J. Simpson, he definitely hadn't been to a playoff game since at least 2006 because (laughs) he was in jail. But he showed up in Jacksonville yesterday at the Jaguars-Bills tailgate. I'm asking you guys, if you see O.J. at a tailgate you're at, you taking a pick with them? Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm sorry. Like, Bill's Mafia, I'm sure, was going nuts over that. I can't even imagine. Was he decked out in Bill's gear? He was wearing a LaShawn McCoy jersey. Yes. Hell, yes. That is what I'm talking about. I love it. I would have got a selfie for sure. <laughs> I'm I against tried. getting selfies with, like, celebrities, but I would have done it. Shamelessly, like, in full-out Bill's gear. You see OJ. Damn I mean, right. Like, I mean, Bill's Mafia is the only... The only group of people that like really still show continuous love for OJ. The only thing that would have been better for me <laughs> was with if OJ was in an OJ jersey. Like that would have been dope. Like that would OJ, have been, it would have been so OJ. For OJ. Is that the only thing your... that would have been really no, better? but it would have been him though. I would have loved it. No, yeah. if he was wearing his own jersey, I would have jumped off a uh, like one of those. Uh, <laughs> oh, like a table. <laughs> yes, and in, in like a fire and a table that was on fire. Can like, you imagine? For him to jump off and body slam somebody. That would have been awesome. That would have been. Mafia. That's so the only great. way it would have gotten. That's better. like that's like new trendy Bills Mafia though. That's not like original. 
Bill's right. Yeah. I don't know if OJ you're, could go to that level. You're tired of, <laughs> tired of the table jumping? I'm tired of the table jumping. I just oh, see people, cool. like, hurting themselves. Like, now okay. women are jumping into it or, like, men are throwing their girls into it. And it's I'm just not like, natural anymore. Everyone's just no. doing it for the it's sake of going scripted. viral. It's yeah. too scripted it's too for cell phone, for camera phone. It's too yeah, scripted. I agree. Something else that was pretty scripted, I think. Just for the point of going viral, the Cleveland Browns over the weekend held a parade. It wasn't a championship parade. It was a parade for going winless at 0-16. The Cleveland Police Department estimated that between 2,500 and 3,200, very specific, uh, people showed up at this. They, they raised some money for the Cleveland Food Bank, which is good. But how pitiful is this? Do you judge fans that did attend this? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) What else do they have to cheer for? I mean, like, give them something, bro. They got nothing. They can still do a fundraiser. They don't have to do the whole parade. Like, I'm all about that they got some money raised. That's a very good thing. But what do these 2,500 people have to do? Like, come on. You guys got to It's not like Cleveland isn't winning elsewhere. Like, I feel like it's, no, they are, right? Like, I feel right. like it's like a waste. Like, what, yeah. like, just put your energy into another team. You've got two more that are pretty great. Oh, yeah. They got two good picks, though, this year. And, like, it's, look, the, the, the Cavs were singing the same tune a few years ago, right? It's coming. Come on, Browns fans. Stay with it. Yep. They're close. All right. So I mentioned it off the very top of the podcast today. So, Debo, our boy Raja was, tr- was trending on Twitter. Danny, I've been waiting for this one. So on yeah. Saturday night, just hanging out, I go on my phone. I see Raja, Raja Bell trending what? on Twitter. Yeah, that know. happened since 2006. Uh, what do you uh, mean, twenty well, on Twitter? Well, 2006. Thought he might have, I don't know, accepted a head coaching job. Oh, word. Okay. But I go and I check, <laughs> and the Bucks, Matthew Dellavedova, yeah, issues a clothesline, <laughs> a vicious clothesline. To the Wizards, Bradley. It was Beal. not vicious. It was not a vicious. A TBT moment. Yeah. And because of that, people remembered your clothesline. Yeah. And were just tweeting about you like crazy. Love it. Quote tweeting. I don't know if you know what. Don't you know what that means? Don't know what that means. <laughs> he has but no just idea. Quote tweeting. Like <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is quote tweeting? Just, I don't know. Figure it out. Where you go? <laughs> you gotta get, a, you gotta <laughs> get, get on there. Account. So Beal just got clotheslined. Yeah. And he reacted after the game. I don't know this guy. I might have said one word to this guy. I don't know this kid. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. sorry. I throw a lot of Wrong button on that one. You know, I don't care if you – there's a difference between making the play on the ball and, and wrapping your, your arms around somebody's neck. So, I mean, it was what it was. He fouled me. You know, he got thrown out for it. So, I don't really have an opinion about it. So, Raja, <laughs> hey. I want you to rate this clothesline. I give it – Delhi is my dude. I spent a year with Delhi in Cleveland. Um, I, the clothesline itself, I'll give a – like a five. Because, like, if you really want to close somebody – five out of what? A five out of ten. Okay. Like, you, it was – like, the clothesline, you, I mean, he was moving pretty quick, and he – you know, you swept him off of his feet. But you don't go help somebody up after you clothesline him. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go try to act like it's all good. Like, I really didn't mean to do that. Like, what are you supposed you, to do You that? stand over him like, what you going to do about oh, it? Shit. Like what? You like, taunt him? Yeah, like, what, what – <laughs> I, I just saw this tweet from someone. It says, somewhere, Raja Bell slow clapped for that Televadova foul. <laughs> <laughs> and good for him for doing it. Uh, Debo, you got to text me when this type happens. I got to get I know, on Twitter we need and like help a, the trend. We need like an off-the-bench group chat. <laughs> what so I, I thought in the is if Raja did launch a Twitter, that would be the perfect first tweet yeah. for him to say something about that. Like, oh, the time is that. now. Oh, the the time, time is I now. Don't sleep on it. I thought cease and desist. For Della Vadova would have been good, or just like anything you could do, I could do better. Uh, Raja, okay. don't that sleep on it. Perfect by, moment. by Wednesday, Is, you have need we one. lost our window of opportunity? I, though? Might have Probably, it. right? No, I think the time is still now, guys. Yeah, Positivity. It's still right. Hey, Raja, quick though, on your boy Delhi. Yeah, you, I hear you say you like him. You have an affinity for him. I like him because he plays hard. But for real though, is he one of the dirtiest? Oh, he's, players yeah, he's dirty. Day? And I, I said it when we played in Cleveland, and our whole staff. Kobe Altman, David Griffin, Trent Redden, all of the people. Oh, no, he's not dirty. He just, I said, look, dude, he's on our team, so you love him. But, yeah, he's dirty. Come on. Yeah, he's yeah. that dude where if he's on your team, you love him. But if you play against him, you hate him. Absolutely. Like it's, he's got, obviously, John Wall hates him now because of what went down. All right, that's a wrap. Good to have you back, Raja. It was a lot of fun. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll react to the national championship. We all think Alabama's going to win, except for Hannah. You I'm go figure Georgia. out who you want to bet in that one. 
Uh, but make sure you check us out on podcast, on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, download. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Give us a five-star review on the iTunes page, and we need to get your questions. Again, anything except football or NBA. Have some fun with us. Find out some stuff behind Raja. Um, ask us whatever you want. Advice, fashion advice. We give some expertise on here. Helped out some dudes already. Right. We can give expertise in that area. And make sure you follow us on uh, at Canel and Bell on Twitter, where our boy Devo smacks down the haters. <laughs>